Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 33 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around, and if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Joining me today, uh, pretty much as always these days, is my co-host, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? Oh, we just talked, Larry. I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. I actually got some sleep last night, which is always a good thing. I know. When I texted you earlier, it's like, hey, do you want to record? And I didn't hear from you. Then you texted me back and said I was actually sleeping. It's like, what? What is this sorcery of sleep that Larry Zonka is doing? I know. Daryl Takahashi is working you way too hard if you are sleeping. Obviously, obviously. That and we drank a bunch last night, too. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Little brother can hold his booze, too. He's he's always been able to drink, so that's always good. But no, yeah, it's a, yeah, actually, it's like, it's weird. It's like every couple weeks I'll hit like a day or two where I, I just totally fucking crash. And that was, that was last night after about like, probably made it to about like 3 a.m. Got the podcast all uploaded and everything. And I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, laid down and started sleeping. Like actually stayed asleep, you know, and probably got like seven hours straight, which for me is like a lot these days. So Yeah. That was good. Well, that that is good. I'm glad to hear you actually getting some sleep because the G1 is coming up, and I know you will not sleep at all. God, you are not kidding, and that uh, that is part of the reason why we're here today. We got a preview show. Uh, we just came out of best of the best in the world weekend and Fighter Fest weekend, and now we have uh, G1 in Dallas and Impact Slam Anniversary weekend, and. Uh, everything's bigger in Texas, and we got two shows there, and Impact's running some other smaller shows there, but, uh, we're gonna talk about the two main shows here, and we will start with the G1 show in Dallas, since it's Saturday and comes first. Undercard, Jeremy, we start off with former IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion Sho and Yo, battling the current IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, the Gorillas of Destiny. Yeah, an interesting match to to kick things off with um, juniors against the current IWGP heavyweight champions. Um, We've talked for a long time that they need to combine these divisions because they don't have any depth in either of them, and maybe this is the the start of that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I I would think that Sho and Yo win here, but maybe I, I don't... Actually... Yeah, if Sho and Yo win, I guess that, that sets up a title shot for them. So I could see that happening here. Yeah, I would definitely like to see them win. I think it would be a nice way to kick off the show. Kind of the the upset underdog uh, babyface win, beating the bigger, stronger champions. And uh, I think that could play well. And I would, yeah, I would really love to see them try to, you know, combine the divisions and just go from there. Because... You have enough quality guys that are juniors, quote-unquote, that aren't that small but can also work with pretty much anybody. And just the damn divisions are so shallow that, um, yeah, just combine them, showing you a win here, and uh, hopefully win their titles back and do a unification down the line like at King of Pro Wrestling in October or some shit, or if you don't want to hold off to Wrestle Kingdom, that is. But uh, do something. I would I would love to see it at... Um, so yeah, give give the boys the win. Uh, second match, we move on. Uh, 
Oh, Jeremy, it's a, it's a battle of our young lions. We got Shota Umino and Big Tom Ishii battling against Ren Narita and Big Jeff Cobb. The the two guys who should be in the G1 and the teaming with two guys who are in the G1. Uh, I'm looking forward to this match. I, I know it won't be like the a super classic or anything, but I like Umino and and Rinarita are gonna kind of go all out and Cobb and Ishii, they, they've got the G1 to gear up for, but because of the the scheduling, like they actually have like a week off before the G1 like starts in Japan, so they can bust their ass a little bit harder in this match than if they they were in the middle of their G1 run where they've done like five matches in, in four nights. So I I think this match is going to deliver um, big time, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, really like this match on paper. Uh, Narita and Umino have been, just been really great the last couple months. Uh, obviously, Narita had the uh, best Super Junior run, and Big Tom and Big Jeff just beating the shit out of each other is that's that's aces in my book. So I'm all about that. Uh, should definitely be a good match. Um, I'm kind of thinking, I kind of winner doesn't really matter, but I'm kind of thinking uh, Big Jeffrey and Ren Narita might pick up the win here. Give Jeff Cobb a little shine heading into the G1. Yeah, that makes sense. The should have been ROH champion Jeff Cobb. Yes, but I, but he's not Matt Taven. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Uh, third match of the evening, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto versus Chase Owens and Jay White. This is obviously this is setting up the Goto-Jay White early round uh, G1 matchup and Chase Owens and Yoshi Hashi are just the other guys. Yeah, um, Hashi and Chase Owens. What's that? It's a C block, C block wrestlers. Yeah, owns and owns and Hashi. Um, one of them will will eat the fall here. I feel like Jay White's going to be in for a big tournament once again, so he'll probably establish some momentum here. Yeah, that, I, I kind of agree. Uh, Jay White's probably going to have a good run in the tournament, but uh, Goto's just coming back after some time off, so uh, Chase Owens is probably going to eat a GTR and Shouten Kai and a few other things and do a good job of being a really solid wrestler and losing. But, uh, yeah, that'll uh, big yeah the big tease again is for the hyping up the G1 match, and that's okay. It's, uh, again, part of this card, hyping the upcoming G1 matches and delivering first-round matches, so I'm fine with that. Match number four, Jushin Liger, Juice Robinson, and Toriano versus Bushi, Shingo, and Naito. Um, Liger being in this match is cool. Um, I know we, we, we haven't talked about it, but he's going to be in um, North Carolina like the next day, and neither of us can go for various reasons, which, which really sucks. It'll be cool for the Dallas crowd to, to see him. I figure Liger probably. I don't know. Like the the Lij group rarely ever loses, and so in these multi man matches, especially against, I'm not saying Juice Liger and, and Yano are a throw together team, but they're not exactly like an established trio or anything. Um, and Naito probably need, needs a victory. So and even Shingo. Oh, Lij probably wins. It'd be cool if just Liger pins Bushi. Because why not? Like, Bushi doesn't really matter. So, just give Liger the win here. I kind of think that's where this is heading. Because you're setting up Juice and Shingo and Naito and Yana. And uh, just, uh, I mean, I love Bushi. He's fine. He he works really hard. He doesn't do anything that annoys me or pisses me off. 
And this is Liger, one of his like final big stops in America. And um, yeah, it's it's like a smaller story, but I think it'd be nice if he uh, took out Bushi's little punk ass with a little shote and brainbuster and uh, took him the big win before he comes to North Carolina, where as you said, I can sadly not see him. Yeah, it's disappointing um, that neither of us can can go meet the great Chushin Thunder Liger. I know, I'm fucking pissed about it. <laughs> I fucking hate it. God damn it. But anyway, so that's that's the undercard. It's a real solid looking undercard. I'm sure it'll be good to find, and you know, just depending like the uh, the Ishii and Cobb tag. I mean that that could kind of swing things if um that's like really because it could be possibly great because. Everybody in that match is really, really good. So, uh, But yeah, undercard looks fine. And then we move on to our G1 matches for the evening. Starting off, Sweet Willie Osprey versus Lance Archer. A rematch from the New Japan Cup. Yeah, their New Japan Cup match was awesome. And I expect this one to be no different. Honestly, Osprey, I've said it many times, he's top five in the world for me. Um best pro wrestler on the planet and lance archer he, he plays his role well and it's tough to have a bad match with 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 will osprey archer's gonna work even harder than he did in the New japan cup match like they have that history to play on i always like that stuff um when it comes to rematches because you can do a lot of uh, fun callbacks and archer's gonna work hard just because like this is a big chance for him to shine it's in dallas he's done a lot of work for this show and he's going to want to show out for for the hometown crowd. Uh, we talked about it when we kind of did our, our banger uh, preview. This could be a spot where Archer picks up a victory here um, as kind of a you know sign of good faith from from New Japan. I I'd still kind of lean towards Osprey, but but an uh, an Archer victory wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, it's funny that people are still kind of down on Archer right now, and like he had a great match with Osprey in the New Japan Cup. He came back for the last tour, was doing really well. He looks more motivated than ever. And like you said, he's done a lot of promotional work for this Dallas card. It's his hometown. Dude's going to be busting his ass, and there's nobody better than to put him in there with Will Ospreay. Because they they already had a great match, and Will just fucking goes... Will doesn't know night off mode for the most part. And he just he's going to go out there looking to steal the show, and... That's that's great for both of them, and um, yeah, as you said in the preview, and you, I think I think an Archer win is is very likely here. Uh, either man winning wouldn't surprise me, but I think Archer kind of gets the win because I think you want to start him off hot, and Osprey's Osprey's a guy that can quickly recover, and so I wouldn't really worry about him. So I will go Lance Archer as well. Uh, we move on to our next match. King of Darkness Evil versus Bad Luck Fallet. Um, yeah, Evil probably wins. I don't have much use for this match. I, I hope Evil wins. Fallet's G1 run last year was such complete dog shit with just all the interference and all the DQs and stuff. and It was absolutely just the worst shit in the world. And I really, really, really hope we get like none of that this time. I mean, I'm sure yeah, we might get a little, but I mean, we if they can't do that shit again. It'll definitely be telling what they do with this match because, you know, are they going to set the tone early where, hey, we know Bullet Club is there. 
um, they're on the undercard. Are Tanga, Loa, and Tamatanga going to interfere and we're doing this shit again? Or are we just going to kind of do a wrestling match and, you know, the, the best man wins? And if we do the interference shit, it could set up for this is what you're going to get in these matches once again for the G1. I don't think they're going to do that. I hope they learn that lesson from last year, but we, we will certainly see. Yeah, I just um I, I do not want to live through that bullshit again. That's all I know. So, um yeah, I mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if Fale picked up the win, but kinda hope Evil does want to get him off to a hot start. Next match, Sonata versus Zack Saber Jr. Jeremy, before we talk about the match, I just want you to know I, I miss Zack Saber time and talking Michinoko so bad. Yeah, we we discussed this uh, on a previous podcast. If Taka is not there with Zack Saber for this tournament, it, does this tournament like really count? Like, do any of these Zack Saber matches actually count? I don't think they should go on record if we if we don't have Taka and Zack Saber time. I don't think it can be a properly sanctioned match unless it's actually Zack Saber time. I, I it's not Zack Saber time without Taka saying it's Zack Saber time. Completely agree. So I just, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I miss Taka. But anyway, Sonata and Zack Sabre Jr. should be really good to possibly great match. They've had a lot of good stuff in the past, New Japan Cup meetings and everything. Uh, you know, both guys are, I think, are favorited to, you know, be players towards the end, obviously. I mean, you can, maybe not top two or anything, but I mean, they're going to be in the mix at the end because I think this block... You could easily have, you know, three, four, five guys at the end really in it. And they've uh, had good runs in the past. Again, they, they work really well together. Um, Sonata, when he wants to, is actually uh, really fun working the submission stuff. And obviously, Zach is just beyond excels at doing that. So great. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that a Zach Sabre win to kick things off. But I think they might try to give Sonata a lot of early shine because... He is coming off of all those losses to Okada, and I still think he's going to beat Okada here in the G1. So, um, but yeah, he just, uh, I think a Sonata win would work really well. But again, I, this is another one kind of like the opener where either guy winning wouldn't bother me and can make sense. Yeah, I, I love Zack Sabre Jr. So, Sonata, I've long said that they've got to, They've got to pull the trigger on this guy in some type of way, and they they won't do it. They haven't done it. We'll see what they do with him in this G one, but the, like the match should be great. It's it's going to be very tough for either of these guys to have a bad match. I I think Zack Saber gets the the victory here, and then he it sets him up. Both guys are going to be kind of in that middle mix for for this tournament anyway. I mean, you, you look at the block, you can kind of see who's going to be at the top of it. Um, but both guys should be in for, for a great tournament, and this will be a good kickoff for, um, for each of them. Agreed. Uh, moving on, Kota Ibushi versus Kenta. Huge match here for the U.S. show. Kenta arriving in New Japan. He's looking all fired up and ready to go. Abushi's just fucking Abushi and awesome. And uh, greatly looking forward to this one. This is definitely a certified banger alert on this one. We will see with with Kenta. This is like this is might be my most anticipated match because Ibushi is, is great. Please don't try to kill yourself in Dallas, Kota. Knock it off. It's a long tournament. Uh, and 
Kenta, like we've we've discussed it before. What are we getting here? Is he actually so banged up and fragile that he he just can't go anymore? Or is he now super motivated coming off the WWE run that didn't go so hot and he's out to prove himself and, you know, he's just going to run through this tournament and just have great matches and remind everybody why he was so highly sought of um, in Japan and on the independent scene prior to signing with WWE. Um, so, and I mean, this is like, this is the test you want for him. You're getting Kota Ibushi, who is another top five, top 10 guy in the world who can seemingly do no wrong right now. So it's going to be a lot on Kenta and I think he will rise up and he will deliver. I am optimistic that we're going to see flashes of the old Kenta here and we're going to get a great match. I, I think Kenta actually gets the victory here to kind of set him off on the right foot in this tournament and be like, all right, this guy is a, is a serious player. Yeah, I, th- I think he needs to win, really. I think it just, um, there are instances where having a great match can be enough, but I think just he's coming in and there's kind of a cloud over him because of the whole just lack of a great WWE run and, you know, the injury history and everything. So I think if he can go out there and have a great match with Ibushi and win and look good, I think that's what they need to do. And I like you said, you're curious to see here. I'm curious to see if we get Kenta. And not Hideo Itami, obviously. I want to. I want Kenta back as much as Kenta can be in 2019. What I'm curious about is in about a week and a half, two weeks, after he's worked some tag matches and worked a couple more singles, and that's when I'm going to get really curious. It's kind of heading towards the middle of the G1. It's like, how is he going to hold up? Is he still going to have that fire if he has it on night one? And is he going to stay healthy? And the, the hope is that he does because even even being a little older and everything, if if he can be as close to Kenta as possible in 2019, that's just a great addition to the roster. And I would be very, very happy to have that. So, yeah, yeah a very interesting match on a few levels to see because Ibushi is kind of one of those guys that is, feels like a favorite to, to win the whole G1 along with Naito and, you know, a loss here sets up a few things, but uh, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see if we can get Kenta back. I I'm optimistic for him. I, I was, you criticized me for my overly optimistic takes earlier this week, but I, I'm optimistic for, for Kenta in this. Well, mostly because I was, uh, I was shocked that you were, I know you were more positive about Heyman, but just, uh, I just don't understand, and I, I got criticized for this, how people can be positive about the Eric Bischoff stuff. Like, people are like, you should listen to his podcast. You don't understand him. So you want me to listen to the podcast of a con man that sweet-talked his way into his WCW job, did good for like a year and a half, you know, turned things around. I give him credit for the Nitro formula, changing the Monday Night Wars. But then the business went off a fucking cliff. And now when he does a podcast, he either doesn't remember things or, well, no, it wasn't exactly like that. That was Hulk's call or something else to where he basically sheds all blame. So you're basically telling me, listen to his podcast where he covers his ass and take faith in that. And then someone was trying to tell me, like, he's more in tune with the wrestling scene today than you realize. (laughs) 
No, he's in tune with whatever fucking Conrad tells him to watch so they can talk about on their podcast. It's like, it's Eric fucking Bischoff in 2019. No thank you. Just wait. The Bish is going to prove you wrong. If Seth Rollins says it, I don't doubt Seth Rollins. That man has never told a lie. (laughs) 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 Seth Rollins claiming to be the best wrestler in the world when he's not even the best wrestler on, like, WWE. I'm not even sure he's the best wrestler in his relationship. (laughs) That's definitely debatable, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> someone made a list of like Seth isn't even the best wrestler on Two Hundred Five Live. Two Hundred Five Live has the best wrestlers on the <laughs> roster, though, so that's not yeah, that's not a huge knock. But it's just funny though. It's just, uh, and again, you know, I get what Seth is doing. Don't jump on me about this. I mean, he's defending his company. That he stuck around. He got made the champion. And he's going to defend his company, and that's basically what he should do. But, you know, there's also a point to where maybe you shouldn't say, like, just total bullshit. I mean, I think I'm pretty cool and all, but I'm not going to come here and tell you that I am the most prolific podcaster with the most listened to show on the planet Earth. Because that is factually incorrect. Am I fucking awesome? Yes. But, you know, let's keep facts in here. Anyway. Wait a second. I was told this is the most listened to podcast on the earth. That's why I'm here every week. It's the most listened to podcast in places of the earth, I'm sure. <laughs> We're actually big in Saudi Arabia, despite what some people think. Um, sure. I mean, I can see that. they. I'm sure they loved my women's review of, of ROH recently. <laughs> so, But anyway, so that's uh, Kenta and Ibushi. Yeah, a lot of... It'll be really telling match, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. And I'm just, I'm hoping we get Kenta back. That'd be great. Uh, you know, the, and it's uh, it, not just for fans, but for him too, because obviously this is a dude that he was really disappointed with his WWE run, and he wanted to do more and wanted to be more. And, uh, you know, he didn't go there to fail, and I think he probably feels like he did. So, main event of the evening for the first time in the United States. Okada versus Tanahashi, Jeremy. I'll let you go first. It's Okada versus Tanahashi. It's very hard for these two to have a bad match. There's so much history between them. I mean, Okada, again, another guy who's top five in the world. Tanahashi, every year, we're like, I don't know if Tanahashi in this G1, how it's going to work. And then every match is great because he's Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, he plays great from underneath. He can play great on top. It, it doesn't matter. The the guy's amazing. He's going to be amazing in this match. Um, Okada's he's going to carry his portion of it. It's and it's Okada and Tanahashi. Like there, there's not much many more superlatives I can I can throw at these two guys because everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows their history, and th- this match is going to 100% deliver unless they decide we don't feel like placating to this American audience. Uh, that's about the only reason this match would would be bad. Um, I I think. I don't know. I think Tanahashi actually wins because uh, Lick's doing kind of that the little upset thing on, on night one, and technically the, this would be an upset. So I think Tanahashi gets the victory. Yeah, I, I don't think you have to worry about them not wanting to please the U.S. fans because both guys have pushed for a big Japan versus Japan main event in the U.S., and so they're getting it here. 
normally yeah maybe but maybe they're they're like it took so long that so maybe it's not a a blowback against uh the u.s audience it's a blowback against gato like you took so long to do this now we're gonna stink up the joint for the americans ha 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 yeah i i don't think they're quite that devious and ruthless but uh so normally, orientals you never know uh good good job jim ross thanks <laughs> Yeah, um, so anyway, normally I'd be like, I would be ready to throw a match of the year contender banger alert on this right away. And you brought up how everybody always worries about Tanahashi heading into the G1 every year. But I will say it is more noticeable this year that he has slowed. And he is more banged up than he has been. Because there's just been some weird shit in his matches that don't look good at all. Now, hey, you know what? Maybe he really is the greatest fucking worker in the history of the planet. And maybe he's doing shit that looks like shit on purpose. (coughs) Excuse me. So, maybe he's just all doing the luring us into the false sense of security so he can go in there and have another amazing G1 run and we're all like, Jesus Christ, he's amazing. It's like, we know you're amazing. You don't have to quite go that far. But who knows? Hopefully he's just... Hopefully he just had a couple off nights here and there. There was a like, weird tag match where he did like a really shitty version of the final cut and like was falling over himself on Chase Owens. It just looked bad, but hopefully that that's kind of, you know, over with. Hopefully it's uh, it's G1 now. He'll be reinvigorated. He's facing his greatest rival in Okada. So obviously I still think it's going to be pretty great. I don't know if it'll be as high level as some of their previous just stellar matches that have like ruled the universe, but probably still really, really great. I think they will heavily tease the draw here because they've had so many draws in the past in the G1, and I think some people are expecting it. So I could definitely see them teasing the draw. And the thing is, is they will have, as you mentioned earlier too, they're going to have a week until the next show's. And Tanahashi has been very careful. He's not been using the high fly flow and stuff. So we'll we'll see what kind of shape he's in if he busts out the the high fly cross to the floor and actually uses the high fly flow in this. Because uh, if he's feeling good, he might want to bust it out for this match, knowing that he has a week to recuperate. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tanahashi win. But again, um, yeah, the, Okada's the man. And they love them, but I think they're going to heavily tease the draw before one of them wins. I'll, I'm going to go Okada, just because I think they're going to want to avoid another Okada-Tanahashi match before Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, that, that, that certainly makes sense on why they wouldn't give Tanahashi the win, because it would mean Tanahashi gets a title shot. But you can never go wrong with Tanahashi and okada whether it's in japan or america but it certainly would make sense of of why okada would win in that stretch it just i don't know i got i got a gut feeling about tanahashi and could be wrong had taco bell today okay (laughs) that's why my gut could be wrong taco bell does does weird things to your stomach larry you've had taco bell in your life before i do there's one close to my house yeah so but yeah it, it um so yeah, it's it's a good card overall. I, I know uh, the ticket sales haven't been spectacular for it. They're in between four and five thousand right now, I think, for it. And um, 
part of that is this part of the problem is the New Japan booking thing to where they you know they don't announce matches until later on and they don't announce talents until later to a closer to events and that doesn't help because I mean yeah there are a lot of people that know New Japan and they know what the G1 is and they're gonna they're the people that bought the tickets early but if you're trying to get other people and you know you're trying to get some buzz and stuff you have to have some matches announced and you need to work on that and then I think the other thing that hurts them too is that uh you know we just had double or nothing and that was a big flying crowd and you already have people buying tickets for um you you have people planning for all out coming up and that's going to be another flying crowd so G1 in Dallas while a cool event and you're getting Okada and Tanahashi in the US for the first time doesn't maybe rate as highly to some people now because they're kind of moved on to a shiny new toy with AEW. And they're allocating their money to travel to those shows. So again, it's just, uh, if you're New Japan, you got to get match cards out there sooner as much as you can. you got to get the full talent listing out there sooner. You have to do anything you can to get people to think that your show is must-see. Uh, pretty much like anybody has to do, period. And um, so I think that's kind of where it failed there, but... You know, it's not going to be a disaster. It's it's it, they're, the building will look fine. They'll have a good crowd, but uh, yeah, definitely, I think a disappointment. Even if they do five to six thousand, because of the G one being attached to it. Yeah, it's gonna the the crowd should be good. Um, I I don't know if it's gonna sell out on on walkout on walk ups, but. I imagine they're going to to get a very good crowd. They're they're definitely going to get a lively crowd, and it'll be enough to where it won't be embarrassing like ROH, where you could visibly see that ninety percent of the building was empty on camera shots. I don't think uh, New Japan will will have that problem on Saturday. I would hope not. So, before we move on to our next preview, I just want to remind you you're listening to the Four One One on Wrestling podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share the show around. And if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also this weekend in Texas, Jeremy, Impact Wrestling Slammiversary 2019, the, the next night after the G1. It's a busy weekend down in Texas, and... uh it's their uh, one of their bigger shows of the year for Impact Wrestling. And Impact, if anything, has been really good at putting on quality pay-per-view events uh, on actual pay-per-view, not the United We Stand thing over Mania Weekend, which wasn't very good. But as far as typical you know, traditional pay-per-views goes, their last few pay-per-views dating back through last year have been really good to great events. So kind of looking forward to this show. Yeah, the pay-per-views are not an issue for Impact because they're talent is is very good and they get plenty of time to work and they put their talent in a position to succeed i don't even think the the television is is terrible the problem is they're just like they've got the tna impact stigma on them they're on the fucking pursuit channel which no one can find and if they are found half the time you don't get to watch them anyway and they're just a, a cold company for everything that, that's going on really outside of the ring because because inside of the ring and on television, it, it's not bad at all. But the rest of their ventures are just cold as can be. 
Yeah, the, the the thing that kills me about the pursuit thing, I mean, to a point you can't do nothing about the fact that some people don't get pursued. I mean, the Twitch thing was a good idea, but the thing that bothers me is fucking Anthem, like, has ownership in pursuit. You would think that they would crack down and be like, hey, could you not fuck us over by not, by airing... 30, you know, minutes of commercials instead of our main event, and could you possibly, possibly air the proper fucking episode each week? Because there was that one week where they ran a replay from the week before, and it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's like, I don't know, man. It's like HBO saying, we're going to show you, um, you know, like, and what, they just had, like, the one fucking, I can't remember. Game of Thrones? Yeah, like Game of Thrones finale, and they show you like the season one premiere. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Oh, I was thinking I was gonna say the Deadwood movie. It's like we're gonna show you the Deadwood movie, and then they show you like a random episode. It's like, come on, man! It's like you own the goddamn channel. It's like who the fuck is running it? Like Billy Bob and the the other fishermen that are like selling all the bait and tackle. It's very it's very strange that. I mean, you look back and when this deal was announced, everyone crapped on it because why wouldn't it? No one had – if you had heard of the Pursuit Channel before this deal was announced, like, like please show yourself because I did not know this channel existed. And then Impact said they're on it and I was like, okay, well, I don't get the channel so guess I got to find another way to watch it. And like no one knew of this fucking channel and then – you know, people in the company try to defend it of like, oh well, Anthem owns it, so they they have they're very invested in how well it does because they own us and they're gonna give us every opportunity to succeed. And it's Fridays at ten, so we can get away with more stuff and blah blah blah. Like they tried to put a positive spin on it, and it's like, dude, you guys have gone from Fox Sports One to Spike to. The, the outdoor life network or destination whatever America, yeah destination the outdoor life network actually turned into nbc sports uh to, to destination america to the pop tv guide channel and now you're on pursuit like you can't spin this in a positive way and it's just it's been a complete train wreck for them with the airing of commercials with the dvr screw-ups with the airing of the wrong episode like how do you get this stuff wrong? Like, again, they 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 said the right things with well, Anthem owns this channel, so they want us to succeed. Like, it sounds good in theory; they should want you to succeed. Is Anthem like purposely trying to tank this whole fucking thing? Because that's what it would look like if you're just a casual observer. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's a, uh, it's just, it's such a bad situation. I feel bad for them because again. I've talked about it. the TV every week is really solid to good. It works well week to week. It tells a story. It's building to the next week. It's building to the pay-per-views well. And it's an enjoyable show. It's it's a way easier watch than Raw every week and most weeks SmackDown. And I like it. And it's just it's a shame that, you know, nobody's watching it. And, you know, it's like d- depending on the week on Twitch, it's like, there's like four to 11,000 people watching on Twitch and last ratings numbers we got from uh pursuit was like, I think 10 to 12,000 viewing on pursuit. And that's just a fucking tragedy, man. Cause you got a lot there's... of good talent there and a lot of people working hard and the show isn't bad. 
there's no way 12,000 people are watching this on Pursuit Friday nights at 10 o'clock. What are those people doing with their lives, Larry? They're making homemade bait and tackle and watching fucking Pursuit, man. <laughs> Fuck if I know. But anyway, now that we got all that bullshit out of the way, and the only reason we're talking about it is because we both think it's an absolute fucking shame that not a lot of people are watching the product. Because it's not a bad product, and their pay-per-views are really good to great. Yeah. So I would like people to watch the TV and go, you know what, maybe I will throw down some money for this pay-per-view. But it's kind of hard to throw down money and get interested if you uh, can't watch the damn show. So, anyway, uh, pay-per-view starting off. We got first blood match, Eddie Edwards versus Killer Cross. Good news, everybody. Killer Cross isn't dead. Eddie Edwards bit his face off the other week, but he's still alive and teleporting into churches, and now we're going to get a first blood match. The storyline is very nonsensical, but uh, it it sort of works in the Impact universe of of nonsensical things um, happening. So I, I don't completely hate it, even though it doesn't make the most sense in the world. Uh, I like Killer Cross. I, I like Eddie Edwards. They'll they'll beat the hell out of each other. Killer Cross is, is probably underrated because Impact. I'm not sure uses him to to his full abilities because he can do a lot of the the MMA stuff that that people love and like he can go out there and just and, and kick ass. And I'm not sure he's quite presented in that way every single week. I mean, he is in kind of a very weird storyline with with Eddie Edwards right now. Um. I assume Eddie wins because I don't know how long Killer Cross is for this company. He's very much in a Dean Ambrose, John Moxley situation where everyone knows he wants out. They they won't release him. So I don't know how much longer his contract is. I think he's got a fair amount of time because they usually sign like two-year deals and he just signed a new one uh, last fall, which means it wouldn't be up until next fall, 2020. Um, but it just seems like he's going to try to ride things out, get out of this contract the best he can, and that like that's gonna be it so they they don't have a reason to really invest in this guy if he's not going to stick around for a long haul unless they can come to an agreement with him of all right you're actually worth this much we will pay you this much but i don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon yeah fair enough um yeah i think eddie wins here because i think there's a Good chance we get a title change in the main event, and Eddie can be heated up as a good title challenger because uh, he's been away from the title for a long time. I generally like Cross. I think he works hard. I think the uh, the angle's been a little wacky at times, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with wackiness in wrestling. And it'll be interesting to see how... Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll have a lot of... Kind of a lot of freedom here with the stipulation. They should be able to use a... A lot of bells and whistles, smoke and mirrors, and all that stuff. But I liked their last TV match they had. It was good. And on pay-per-view with more freedom and a little more time. And hopefully no Sandman involved. Uh, it'll be a lot better. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go Eddie Edwards. So we move on. We have Tessa Blanchard versus Sammy Callahan up next. Back at Rebellion, Rebellion excuse me, you'll remember Tessa Blanchard defeated Gail Kim. They had a great match. And the follow-up for Tessa has been really weird, though, and not what anybody expected. 
Uh, instead of locking into a feud and going back after the knockouts title, she turned babyface, uh, beat the shit out of Disco Inferno, which I was all for, and then she started scrapping with OB- OBE, and that's leading to her facing Sammy now. I think Sammy has been really good in Impact. He's had some great feuds, stuff with Pentagon, stuff with Swan was really good. He's had a lot of good efforts and matches. And he's been a strong and featured performer, but I think the biggest problem is is it feels like he always comes up short in the big match. And, I mean, to be in a really effective heel, he, he does have to win sometimes. And that's, you know, I don't know, that's kind of the, the conundrum, I guess, when I come to this match. Because it's like, do you really want to push Tessa as more than just a women's star here? Do you want to push her as a star? Do you want to have her pick up the big win? Do you want to tease maybe an X Division title run to where you can tease her challenging with option C? Or do you just go with Sammy over the top heel, being a dick, cheating the win or whatever, and just being a complete remorseless asshole, picking up the win, which he desperately needs? But then at the same time, too, I think if Tessa loses... I think you're kind of wasting that Gail Kim match. So, Jeremy, your thoughts? It's an odd booking choice, and and one reason why I'm not fully behind like intergender matches and and wrestling because either you you have the man win, and, and then you know people are up in arms of like, oh well, of course you're gonna put the man over. Like why, you know, people don't think you're progressive or, or whatever. Like it just starts a, a war for for no real reason. Or you have the woman win, and and that's fine. But then you have to like go somewhere with it. And I don't think any company is, is proven like, yeah, we're gonna put our world title on a woman or we're going to have her challenge for the world title. If impact does that, like more power to him. If Tessa wins this match and goes on to, to challenge Michael Elgin or, or Brian cage, like God bless them. They, they, they have huge balls as, as a company and not to say that Tessa Blanchard can't do it. And this is, it is a bad move. It's just something that you, you don't see like, all right, China had the intercontinent title. She was involved with, uh, Austin when he was the world champion and, and did some stuff with him and stuff and whatnot. But he like she was never presented as, yeah, we're gonna like go full bore into a feud with our world champion. And she's about the only one throughout history who has been presented on the level of the men. So it's a it's a bold choice if they do that. And I don't know quite what they're going to do. I'm with you that Callahan looks like a geek in a lot of these feuds because he keeps losing him. And I'm not the biggest Sammy Callahan fan in the world. Anyway, I like his character work. His matches aren't bad. He's just, his style of wrestling is just not my thing. Um, he he would certainly need to win here. But again, then you get the fans who are like, oh, well, why'd you do that to Tessa? Like, why'd you have to have the man win? And, but if, and as you said, Tessa, it kind of potentially wastes the the Gail Kim feud, and then she goes back to the women's division, and fine, like she should be the face of that division. But it's almost like, well, you proved that you can't hang with the men now, so th- like this is where you're at. 
And if Tessa wins, cool, but where are you going with that? Is she going to challenge for the X Division title? Is she going to challenge for the world title? It's it's just a it's a tough thing to to pull off. And I do think they have the right person to pull it off because I love Tessa Blanchard. I think she should be the face of the women's division and honestly one of the faces of the company. I, I just don't know if they are bold enough to to do that. And if they are, again, more power to them. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. And you have to be really careful here because you don't want to squander Sammy's usefulness as a heel. And I think that he, he needs a win for credibility's sake. He really does. But then again, it's like you have to be careful because you don't want to ruin what you have in Tessa. Because Tessa has been really, really good for them and she comes off like a star when she's out there. And I just, uh, as I said, I'm just kind of worried that like, I really think Sammy should win here because I think you could have him get a pick up an underhanded win, really hammer home that he's an asshole. And I think that works and gives him that credibility. But then again, I just, I fear you're wasting Tessa's win over Gail Kim, which was a great match that we didn't think we'd really get because Gail was retired and there were no plans to come back. And then she did, and it worked out perfectly for them. They had a great little feud and match, and. I don't know. I just uh, I think it's one of those situations you're kind of booked into a corner with it. Yeah, it's it's not. It's weird booking. We will see how they get out of it. Maybe they do some type of. I mean, you can you can book a, a double finish here. Um, some kind some type of protective finish. I don't know if a, a time limit draw really fits with this feud, but. You can you can book something to where both of them still come out um, strong in the end. Uh, so I like that interests me more than the actual match, which I think will be fine because Tessa's good and, and Sammy can can play his role and, and step up his game. Um, but it'll it, it's an interesting match that they've booked here. I'll give them that. If nothing else, it's something that like you you've got my interest. You you've you've caught my intrigue. Fair enough. Moving on. Moose versus Rob Van Dam. This one doesn't quite have my intrigue. <laughs> I I love Rob Van Dam. Huge RVD mark uh, from the, the the 90s and and 2000s. Don't need to see this guy in 2019 because I don't like seeing any of these older performers in 2019. Um, Moose is just a guy who he was hot a year ago. Um, it was like literally last year where he challenged for the title, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So he was hot a, a year ago and now he means very little to, to impact wrestling. Um, I, I would hope Moose wins, knowing impact, RVD probably picks up the victory. I don't have high hopes for this match, though. Do the right thing, Don Callis, for fuck's sake. Moose should win. Yeah, he's he's definitely a dude they've had a lot of high hopes on. And, and to his credit, he's he's improved, and um, I think he's doing good work as a heel. And the thing is, is I think he's going to work really hard. I think he's going to try. But I don't think he's good enough to cover up for a really slow and old RVD in 2019. I mean, RVD's trademark shit barely gets a pop these days because, you know, by the time it connects, everybody, you know... They've taken a nap and then woke up. Yeah, 
It's like Rob Van Dam's going for Rolling Thunder. <laughs> it's like, dude, it's like, you know what? Good on you for wanting to make some money. I uh, I hear he's getting fleeced in his divorce settlements, allegedly. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, that's fine that he wants to wrestle, but I, I just, I think Impact signing him was a really bad idea. And it's it's Rob Van Dam in 2019. It's not like he was gonna he's really gonna pop ratings and buy rates. He barely did it years ago when he was younger and could actually kind of go still. So it's just it seems just like a bad idea. If Rob Van Dam wins here, it is probably one of their stupidest fucking booking decisions of the year. Um, Moose should pick up the win and just move on to something else, and hopefully won't have to face like Tommy Dreamer and shit again either. Yeah, um, I I hope Moose picks up the win here. That would be the right call, but Don Callis loves his ECW legends. Yeah, unfortunately. So, and that's why you have to kind of worry about this. Next up, Monsters Ball match: Knockouts Champion Taya versus Rosemary versus Sue Young versus Havoc. Uh, this took a very different path that I think a lot of people thought it was going to take at first because I think coming out of Rebellion, many people were expecting uh, Jordan Grace and Tessa Blanchard, uh, or at least one of them to be involved in this uh, like kind of knockouts title match because you, you, you had the death of Allie at the hands of Sue Young in the Undead Realm. Rosemary then took custody of Sue Young with the Demon Dog Collar, and that all led to Jim Mitchell bringing out his kaiju queen, Jessica Havoc, and then the four women started feuding, and we are going to Monsters Ball. So the good news here is that obviously Monsters Ball, you have a lot of freedom, and um, it's gonna. I, th- I think it's gonna help out honestly, because um, I like I think Sue Young is really really hitting this. Like sometimes I find her okay, and other times I'm like she's really bad. Jessica Havoc, I'm not like a large fan of, but I think she can be really good at times. She thrives in the chaotic environment. Rosemary is really good in these style matches too. And I think she kind of needs the smoke and mirrors because she's been really slow since coming back from her knee injury. I think Ty is really good at picking her moments and being a good character worker. And I think she can find really good spots in here. So I think that if they're motivated and willing to do some kind of crazy shit to the strengths of the stipulation... And the freedom they have, I think it'll be probably be pretty good, honestly. Uh, I would expect a title change probably to Havoc. I would think a title change is in the works here as well. Taya's had the, the title for, it seems like, forever. Um, they, they I don't know if they missed the boat with, with Jordan Grace or just didn't want to put the title on her at that time like there's still time for jordan grace but it felt like she should have been the person to take the title and it didn't happen they'll do enough smoke and mirrors in this match to where it'll it'll be fine um they uh, havoc is sounds like a, a good choice to me Ro- rosemary actually wouldn't be the the wouldn't shock me too much I, i'm sort of leaning towards rosemary for some reason Fair enough. Yeah, I think you can go a lot of ways in this. I think as as long as Taya doesn't retain and as long as Sue Young doesn't win, I'm okay. So, <laughs> yeah. well, 
Ty is going to retain or Sue Young's going to win. It's probably. the Shayna Baszler of, of uh, gimmicks here. Yeah, probably. So, uh, Next up, it's uh, LAX defending the tag championships against the Rascals. And we are recording this, obviously, before Friday. So we don't know which two Rascals it will be. They're having a match on Impact. And the loser of the match will not be involved for the Rascals since there's three of them. So, and that's actually, I'm fine with that. And, um, yeah, they didn't read the spoilers, Larry. No, I don't fucking read the spoilers. I don't fuck. Are there spoilers? I don't even know if anybody wanted a show. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> would, would you like to know who it's going to be? Uh, no, cause I'm not going to be an asshole and spoil it for our listeners. Jeremy, I'm okay. not heartless like you. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I mean, I just, I, I have an idea who it'll be, but it's, it doesn't really matter, but. I thought they had a really good match on TV a couple weeks ago, and that was the setup to this. Uh, definitely think it has banger potential because LAX has been probably the best part of Impact since they've been around. Uh, the feud with the OGs, the matches, the stuff with the Lucha Bros, all good stuff, and it's just been great. And um, their contracts are coming up. So I could, you know, if they haven't signed the new deal, I could see the company maybe making the title switch. But let me tell you, man, I mean, Impact needs to do everything they can to keep LAX. They cannot, excuse me, they cannot afford to lose them, especially after losing the Lucha Bros. It's just, you you can't. They've been too good. They've been too too much a consistent part of the programming. And you, you can't lose another top set of guys like that. It's like, yeah, you brought in some people and stuff, and that's fine, but you lost Pentagon and Phoenix. And that's just, um, you can't follow that up by losing LAX. I I think kind of on the surface, LAX wins, but depending on the contract stuff, I wouldn't be surprised with a title change. The the contract stuff really muddies who's going to win this match, because LAX... I mean, not that, not to say it's not the Rascals' time. Like they, they've been very good. Their gimmick is, uh, it, it's hit and miss for me. I, 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 I enjoy it, but some of the segments, I'm just like, all right, this, this is kind of dumb. Um, but they could credibly win this match, and, and I would be fine with it. LAX has been like two of the stars of Impact for for the, this this whole year. Like they main evented. Uh, the last show with with um, with the Lucha Brothers. So, Impact obviously has has put them in a big position to succeed, and, and that's why they they have these offers from other companies. LAX on the surface should win this match, but because of the contract negotiations, it is tough to get a read on if they will win this match as Impact cannot afford to keep the titles on them if they don't have them locked under contract. Um, and that's the the big sticking point here, is if, if they have them signed, then LAX is probably keeping the titles, unless they do the title switch at, at the television tapings, which is always possible, but why would you boost your television that that no one watches like make the payoff on on the pay-per-view instead of on tv where it's going to get spoiled and pursuit will run a show from 2013 instead um 
I, and that's why I'm going with the Rascals because I don't think LAX is long for Impact Wrestling. I, I truly think that LAX will will take the greener pastures offer uh, of AEW or even WWE NXT and go there and make their money and still kind of have a little bit, probably a little bit less freedom, um, but get that more attention than than what they're getting in impact right now because they like they've earned it and they deserve it so uh, i think the rascals win because lax is probably not going to be around for too much longer yeah definite possibility and i just uh i mean listen i want i want impact to be able to keep these guys but i also want these guys to get paid you know so i mean i think they deserve it i mean impact has been great to them but there's a point you know these guys got families and shit and you know, if Impact can't really pay them up, I mean, I have no problem with them saying, listen, we're going to AEW or we're going to NXT or whatever. And, I mean, as long as it makes them happy and their families and stuff. But they, these guys are too good not to get rewarded and get their money, man. So, but uh, again, it would be a big loss for Impact and one they really can't afford right now. Yeah, they, they really can't um, because they've invested a lot into these guys. And this is this is a, a – we talked about it last night. Um, I don't know when this is going to be posted. But we talked about it on the, the ROH review show where ROH is very scared to to put the title on Mari Skrull because they know this guy is leaving. And so why, like, why do they want to invest in him when they, they – they believe or the assumption is he's going to leave in the near future. But by not doing that, you're basically telling this guy, okay, you can leave because we haven't put the time and effort into you. Impact went the opposite way and the the way you should go in that and why it's actually like why it's not cut and dry of LAX is leaving this promotion because Impact put a lot of time, a lot of uh, investment into LAX with, you know, having the main event shows, pay-per-views, television, having them uh, an integral part of, of like top storylines with the the OGs returning and, and the Conan stuff. And, you know, putting the tag team titles on them for, for a long reign, they, they've shown these guys like, hey, you're the big fish over here. You can go to those other companies. They can offer you a little bit more, but they're going to take away some freedoms from you. It's just it's just a fact. Like You're not going to be able to work independent shows, and they do like working those independent shows because they they feel like I, – I think, I think they're actually working in progress literally right now as we record this. Uh, like They like doing that stuff. They're not going to be able to do that stuff um, in, in WWE or maybe a little bit in WWE since they have ties to progress and other companies, but they're not going to be able to do that stuff as much in like AEW and WWE. Like they, they're not going to be able to show up at, at beyond on Wednesday night. Like that's not happening if they're under contract to, to those promotions and, you know, impact can say, you know, we've put this time in you, we we've shown you good faith, you know, just give us this meeting. Let us tell you our plans where ROH did, again, the opposite of, we haven't really done shit with you, but here's a contract offer. Uh, we hope you still stay, and then we'll do something with you. Um, so I, I commend Impact on, they they gave these guys the, all the opportunities they could, and they might stay because of it. Like, we don't know. It's very, like, if they stay, I would not begrudge them 
because they're probably going to get a good deal from Impact regardless. And Impact has put that time and investment in them. So it would be good on LAX to to show that kind of loyalty, not that any loyalty is ever shown in wrestling, but it would be good on them to just be like, hey, you know, you put this on us. We're going to repay you. We're not going to go to these other companies. You're still paying us well. We like it here. We will stay here. Yeah, and that, that is the thing. Like you said, it's like they're doing the exact opposite of the ROH Marty Skrull thing. And, like, they really should, like, we talked about on the other show about they really should have belted up Marty, man, and pushed him to the end of his contract and got the most out of him. You know, I mean, Impact, if you say what you will about the company, but they are getting the most out of LAX right now. And if they're going to be leaving, unfortunately for them, that would be a bad thing. But if they end up leaving, you can't say they didn't do anything with these boys. They, they got the most out of them. They've had some of the best feuds and matches for that company. And I, like I said, I just um, I just hope that wherever they go, they are happy and they get paid. Because I really think that these guys deserve it. And um, so, But we'll see what happens. Hopefully it works out well for everybody. And uh, we will move on to our next title match. X-Division champion Rich Swan defending against Jonathan Impact, who won an Ultimate X to earn his title shot during wrestlemania weekend yeah at least they did something with that we talked about it when when johnny impact won the exhibition title shot it was like oh okay well hopefully they follow up and they did so good on them they continuity exactly and we i i appreciate continuity so obviously johnny impact lost his uh world title with the last pay-per-view rebellion to cage and uh, but he had this in his back pocket. I think Swan has been a really strong champion, a good stabilizing force for the division. He's been a lot of fun. He's great babyface. It always feels like he's about to lose the title in big matches, which I mean that as a compliment because it adds like really good drama to his matches. On TV, both of these guys have been two of the more consistent performers in terms of the high end matches, and uh, that gives me a lot of hope for this one. As long as we don't get um. Too much bullshit with John E. Bravo, uh, which is Impact's uh, little douchebag minion who used to be a referee. So I think Johnny Impact will win the title, though. I, I agree. I think Johnny Impact wins the title. They, I mean, he named his last name is after the company. What a weird gimmick, by the way, to just whatever uh, company you're working in, that's the last name you're going with i can't wait for him to show up in roh and be johnny honor <laughs> i like they, they put a lot of time into johnny impact and they they clearly like him and i'm not saying he's bad or anything he's not like i'm not a huge fan of the guy personally i, I like rich swan i think the match will be good uh, johnny impact is, is a, a good wrestler on most nights his gimmick is just kind of whatever to me um so but Johnny Impact probably probably wins this match because he's kind of looked at as a bigger star than Rich Swan. And Swan's title reign has been good, but Impact can at this point can do a little bit more for for that title as well. And I think that's a that's another selling point on putting the, the title on him. Agree, yeah. And uh, definitely has a chance to be one of the better matches on the show, so looking forward to that one. And um we move on to the main event now. Impact World Champion Brian Cage defending against Michael Elgin. 
Uh, you know, Cage just won the title back at Rebellion. He was injured during the match when he took a Spanish fly off the ramp to the floor, which at his size, uh, while he could do the move, was not very well advised because it hurt his back. Uh, that led to the match not being very good, but I think the only good thing we can say about that injury is that it played into the Elgin debut really well because the post-match attack allowed him to claim he sent him to the hospital, set him up with the whole, you know, I'm going to challenge for the title deal, and it worked out. Um, they're both uh, really kind of jacked athletic dudes who can do a lot of things that a lot of other guys their size can't do. And, um, you know, Cage, I know you're not the biggest fan of Cage at times. I think Cage can be really good. But I think of something a lot of people downplay is Elgin is going to bring a lot of big match experience between all the top-tier main event stuff he's worked in ROH and New Japan. And that's a good thing for a pay-per-view main event. Um, I I think this could be potentially great. It just depends on, uh, you know, hopefully nobody getting hurt and doing Spanish flies to the floor and shit. You know, let's, uh, you know, be a little careful, Cage. Don't need you to get hurt again. Um, but I, I do think that they could probably play in that, uh, that injury angle pretty big here. And, um, I would not be surprised to see a new champion. I, Cage is banged up. He's had a handful of matches since, since the injury. And we'll, we'll mention this after, um, after we we talk about everything but impact is running a lot of shows this week and cage is part of all of them and i worry about that with this main event with him coming off off of the injury it doesn't seem like this is the right time for a title change just because they 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 built up cage very well and you know they put the title on him um, on the last show and it would seem too early to to take the title off of him here but at the same time they they've already had elgin make an immediate impact and cage would seem better as a guy who's sort of chasing than, than a guy who is the champion like the, this this monster guy you know he, he's a machine damn it uh he would seem better like trying to go after the machine chasing the title um so, sort of like a, a terminator type deal instead of like all right this is the the big bad guy and elgin is a, a good foil to to play off of because he's a he's a big guy as well uh then you know he's a you know kind of a monster face just just running through the guys and and holding on to the title it, it would seem better if he was more terminator of all right you got to go through some obstacles you're this big dude we're gonna throw these obstacles in your way and then you get to the final boss and you challenge him so i i can see it from that perspective of Elgin makes more sense as a champion while Cage makes more sense as the chaser right now. And really, that that's why I'm kind of in agreement that Elgin probably wins here because they, they've put a lot of stock into him immediately. And, you know, go ahead. He's, he's probably as hot as he's going to be. It, it's tough to, you know, beat this guy on his first big pay-per-view match and then come back with him later. Uh, not that you can't heat up Michael Elgin, but then you run into that issue of kind of like the same thing they did with moose is this this guy sort of he lost his, his big opportunity where you've built it up for him and now you've got to find a way to to heat him up again and for moose like that was a heel turn you know they they never recovered with monty brown and impact and they they almost screwed it up with brian cage but they were able to 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 rebound a little bit um i so i i'm agree i'm agreeing with you i think they they put the title on elgin here 
Yeah, I, I think you just kind of have to because they put a lot into him, and I know I know Callis has a big old bone for Elgin too, so he, he loves that dude, and he he seems so joyful every time he is. Michael Elgin chose to leave Japan to come to Impact to be a champion. And it's like, yeah, I don't think that's quite how it went down, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I know Elgin was upset because he didn't think he was going to get above a certain level and stuff, but uh, I guess part of that is, uh, you know, they weren't going to book him in the U.S. too because of the uh, the alleged issues he had. But, uh, you know, I mean, shit happens. I mean, he he made a move that seems good for him, and he's getting a big push, and he's had really good to great matches, so I'm not really going to complain as long as he's not being an asshole in real life, you know? So just go out there and do your job, man. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, I, I generally like this pay-per-view a lot on paper. I think there's a, a lot of potential, and like I said, uh, pay-per-view has definitely not been a problem for this company. No, not, not at all. The pay-per-view... Like we just reviewed it. There's a lot of strong matches, or we just previewed it. There's a lot of strong matches on this card. I, the wrestling is not an issue. Like honestly, there isn't really a match where I'm like, yeah, that's probably gonna suck. Out, outside of of Moose and Van Dam, and, and that's largely because Van Dam just can't move too well in in 2019. But his moves will still kind of get a pop. Maybe Moose can get something a little something out of him. And maybe, um, you know, hopefully they, they keep it short to where you can you can mask sort of Van Damme's uh, deficiencies um, in 2019. But the rest of these matches, I'm like, they've got they've got a good story behind it. They've been built pretty well. A lot of it's like it's the first time kind of stuff. And so there's intrigue there. And like these guys are, are good wrestlers. So there's. There's plenty going right for this pay-per-view. I, I don't doubt Impact when it comes to, to pay-per-views. I, I doubt them when it comes to just about everything else. And uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and mention it now. Like, they've got three shows this week. They're, they're doing an Impact Plus special. They're doing a Twitch special. And then they're doing this pay-per-view. Like, that's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I hope some of these guys just aren't burnt out. Like you would want to take it easy on the Friday and Saturday shows because Sunday is your big show, but it's wrestling. Like something can go wrong in one of those Friday or Saturday matches and then screw up your Sunday plans. It's, it's, it's sort of like what, what Moxley was, was saying with, uh, you know, Becky Lynch, like she's about to main event WrestleMania. The fuck is she wrestling in Idaho a week before? Like what if something goes wrong there? And then, your main event of wrestlemania is falling through like this isn't even like idaho for a live event this is a week before this is literally a day or two before the event for a rather unnecessary show all things considered like okay this twitch special or this impact plus special like it's not very necessary but they're doing it because they're they're in dallas and dallas is going to have a big fan base with the the new japan even though the the travel wasn't great uh as far as ticket sales go they're still going to have like those fans in that area and so they're doing these shows and like if something goes wrong that could really screw up the sunday show and that's the one show you don't want to screw up yeah we talked about this before we started recording that's a that is a big concern of mine this weekend you're you're taking a big chance with that i mean I can understand doing like one of the specials, but you're doing two and they're the two days right before the pay-per-view. And 
you know, I know some people like to say, oh, no Impact show is actually big, but Slammiversary is one of the company's biggest shows of the year. And the fact is, I mean, you're going to run two days before that in hopes of getting some buzz because of all the stuff going on in Dallas with the G1 show, too. I get why you're doing it, but I think it is a really unnecessary risk. And I just hope that uh, nobody gets banged up or hurt badly and that uh, everything stays intact for Slammiversary. But as you mentioned, Jeremy, there is a chance, I think, of um, you know some talent possibly being burnt out. But, I mean, also looking at it, as of now, I mean, I really wish that, you know, because I know they are using some outside talent, but, like, as of the time we're talking, like, Willie Mack, the rest of OVE aren't on the um, pay-per-view. So you need to make sure, like, those guys are being used. Fuck, flying Petey Williams, Ace Austin isn't on the pay-per-view right now. You know, you need to make sure you use a bunch of those guys more. And try to give everybody on the pay-per-view a little a little bit of a rest, I guess. And just, um, you know, I understand you want to have names there. You want to try to sell tickets and all that. I get it. But you have to be careful. It's like, uh, Jeremy, you brought this up during WrestleMania weekend, which was good points too. Is You have to be careful on some of those back-end WrestleMania weekend shows. Because, like, a Saturday morning show or a Saturday afternoon show may look like it has some really great matches. But you may be looking at, you know, a couple guys that are on their fourth and fifth match of the week already by the time they get there. And, you know, how good is that actually going to be? So, hopefully that isn't the case here, but I am concerned, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I I would hope that the the top guys sort of take it easy on those Friday and Saturday shows because it is more for the guys who are not on the the Sunday show to to get some to get a payday essentially, and and that's good on Impact that you know let's use Willie Mack, let's use these OVE guys, let's let's use some of these other guys who aren't on uh, the Slammiversary show and get them. Uh, get them out there for the the weekend's events and i'm i'm all for that but then you run the risk of you know burning out your top guys uh for for the sunday show and that like that's just not smart i think that guys will be smart enough to sort of lay back a little in those matches and i think some of them are working tag matches but but i haven't looked i forget the the bruce bash at the brewery card but i feel like elgin is working like willie mack in like a one-on-one match or uh and brian cage is like working moose in a one-on-one match and it's like you don't need to go full out in those matches just kind of do your thing you know it would be smarter if they even just did tag team matches in that instance, like New Japan does, where you work tag team matches, you hit a couple spots, but you leave the dirty work to the guys who aren't really all that involved um, in, in the in the tournaments. And that would be the, the smarter move instead of these one-on-one matches. But we'll see. I, I will have confidence that the wrestlers are smart enough to, to realize what the big show is and what the show is that uh the less people are going to watch all of fuck maybe maybe more people are going to watch the the twitch special and the impact plus special over buying this pay-per-view who knows yeah i don't know but i just i hope uh i hope things don't get ruined for slammiversary so anyway yeah slammiversary looks uh looks like it should be another good to great show depending on how things shake out a lot of potential and like we said impact pay-per-views are not the problem 
because I mean they've just they've been very consistent, and I'm looking forward to this one again. Obviously, I'll have live coverage this weekend. <clears throat> excuse me, of both shows that we just previewed, and Jeremy and I will be back and wrap up and do uh, our review in audio form and all that. So, thank you guys for listening to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Google Play, YouTube, and the 411mania.com website. Make sure to subscribe and share the show around. And if you have time, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Jeremy, go enjoy your vacation. Thank you. I'm going to the beach. I'm going parasailing. I'm going to see some friends from college. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't remember. I think the last time I had a vacation was like 18 months ago. So I need one. I work too hard paid too little but what can you do all right man have a good time and uh yeah we'll be back later to talk about these shows so thank you again everybody we appreciate it